Welcome to Your Cyber Path, the podcast that helps you get your dream cybersecurity job by sharing the secrets of experienced hiring managers and top cybersecurity professionals with you. Now, on to the show. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Your Cyber Path. Today, I'm your host, Jason Dion. Uh, Kip's actually out of the office today, so he is on travel for some of his consulting work uh, with Cyber Risk Opportunities. So today, it's just going to be myself uh, with a special guest, Ayub, uh, who is White Cyber Duck. And we're going to be talking all about how he got into the cybersecurity industry as a student coming straight out of college and trying to break his way in. Because I know that's an area that really a lot of people struggle with is, how do I get a job if I don't already have the experience, or I don't have the certifications, or I've never been in the cybersecurity world before, and that first job is always just so hard to get. And so I wanted to give you a little encouragement today uh, by bringing on AU with us to share his experience and how he got into the job that he's in now. So uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, AU, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. My name is AU. Uh, I started my cybersecurity journey in January of 2021. Um, from that, I graduated uh, college in the pandemic, uh, and the pandemic started. So it was quite the transition. Um, it's a great time to graduate college, right? Right in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, that, that period gave me a lot of time to reflect. And, and I, I was happy enough to, I was lucky enough to find this field. And it was such an honor um, because uh, I've had so many great opportunities. I've made so many, I made so many great friends. And then I'm, I'm just happy how everything played out. Awesome. Yeah. So I know talking to you before we start recording, uh, you had mentioned that this was your first job coming out of uh, college and, and going into the cybersecurity world. Um, so in college, what were you studying? What was your plan in life uh, uh, to be? Because I know a lot of us, we go to college thinking we're going to be one thing and then we end up another. For instance, for me, my undergraduate degree is in human resources and uh, I'm a cybersecurity guy, right? I, I, I don't do human resources on a daily basis anymore. Uh, and I see a lot of people like that where we come with not a computer science degree or a cybersecurity degree, but something else. So what was yours? Uh, I majored in political science with a concentration in international affairs. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be engaged with, you know, our politics and civic society and such. Uh, but uh, that is it's kind of more difficult to get into in a lot of ways in cyber. There isn't any way to prove yourself like in a CTF or um, in other competitions uh, that you, you have the talent to, to succeed. Yeah, you're, you're right. When it comes to being a lawyer, so I actually come from a family of lawyers. My sister owns her own law firm, um, and my father was a lawyer for many years as well before he retired. Um, and, and it is one of those things that has that traditional path, right? You got to go to get your bachelor's, you go get your master's slash juris doctorate, you go past the bar, you go get a job either as a public defender or a, a prosecutor, usually with the government or a, a low-level firm, and then you work your way up until you're hopefully someday either owning your own firm or you're a managing partner or something like that. And so it is it is a very, very straight linear line. And if you get off that path, it's it's hard to get back on. Uh, and you're right, it is, you know, getting that first job can be really, really challenging. Um, I, I guess what brought you over to cyber? Uh, instead of So you finished your bachelor's, you could have gone into law school and, and continued that journey, but instead you decided to take a turn. Why did you take a turn? Um, I actually found a YouTube video from uh, Neil Bridges and um, David Bomble, and he talked about like ethical hacking. And that was like the first time I've ever heard about that. And it really, frankly, was like from that moment on, I was like, I'm in cyber. I'm going to do this. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. David Bombell is an excellent instructor. He does a lot of stuff, especially around networking and penetration testing. Uh, he's got some great, great stuff out there. Um, yeah. And so your, your dream job in cybersecurity sounds like would be going and being an ethical hacker, white hat, you know, penetration tester type person, right? Uh, what is the current job that you have now? 
so I'm a cyber associate uh, uh, for Aon. Uh, so uh, we do a little bit of everything. Like as it's a really great program because uh, there aren't many entry level programs, but this one is. And you spend three months rotating between our different practice, our testing practice, and our advisory practice. Um, I have a huge interest in cybersecurity, not just ethical hacking, but like detection engineering, threat hunting. Um, I'm not really sure where I fit in at this point. I'm still trying to like learn everything. How long have you been with the uh, company? Uh, since April. Okay, awesome. So at this point, it's been about uh, eight, nine months. Um, so you're almost finishing up that first year in cyber. Um, so I know, you know, talking with you previously, you had mentioned to get that first job. It took a lot of time and a lot of effort. And to be frank, a lot of rejection. Can you tell me a little bit about, about that history? So it took me, I, I, I kept a Google spreadsheet just like keeping every single job I applied to. And it took 134 job applications. Um, and the interesting thing you said is like, you got a lot of rejections. The answer is no. Uh, the most common answer I got was silence. So I think that's very true. <laughs> For about 60% of the jobs I sent an application to, I never heard anything back. And I eventually got an interview with five. And out of those, um, I ended up where I am now. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that, you're right. That is one of the most common things is because so much of this is automated these days, especially with, um, you know, with, with Monster and Indeed and, and Glassdoor and all these other websites out there where you can go and look for jobs. It makes it so easy to apply for jobs that everyone does, and the companies just don't have enough time to go through all the applications, and they don't necessarily want to say no to you uh, because they may decide in six months, oh, hey, you fit our, our profile. And what I see a lot is you know, they're taking your applications in, and they're using them in their own internal database of people. And so later on, when they have a new job that pops up, and they go, hey, we're looking for a security engineer who has you know, Security Plus and Pentest Plus and two years of experience, and it'll come back with a list of people. And so in your case, you're in their database and you may hear from them six months from now, 12 months from now, a year from now, two years from now, whatever it happens to be. Uh, or you may just hear nothing, which is what you're hearing a lot of. Um, and, and that's very common, especially when you're brand new into the industry. Um, you know, when you were applying, what did you have on your record? So you had at this point, you had your bachelor's degree in political science uh, with a specialization in international rela relations. Did you have any um, certifications or courses or how did you try to beef up your resume to help stand out? Because Having a political science degree doesn't scream, I'm going to be a cybersecurity person. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I try to focus on, you know, the training I could afford. So uh, I got the EJPT um, from eLearn Security. So the eLearn Security Junior Penetration Tester. Um, and then I eventually got accepted to the SANS Diversity Academy Scholarship. And I ended up getting the uh, GIAC Security Essentials Certification, the GIAC Incident Handler Certification, and the GIAC Intrusion Analyst uh, Certification. So uh I, I had a, I thought, in my opinion, I had a really good resume, but yeah. in a weird way, it actually hurt me in a lot of times because I would be applying to these sock roles and I think they would look at my resume and decide he's going to be here for about two months and then move on um, just because uh, he doesn't fit what we need right now. Yeah, it's a good point because, um, you know, you mentioned the GX certifications and in general, SANS is really expensive uh, and really hard to to do for most people. So a lot of times when a company sees that you have SANS courses on your resume or SANS certifications, they think, oh, this person probably already had a, we're working for a company that paid for this and that maybe you're furthering your career, right? Because generally what I see people take SANS is they've been in the industry for two to five years. They're kind of, you know, mid-level at that point. And their company's investing in them because those courses cost anywhere from five to eight thousand dollars to take the course and the certification. Um, because you were in the the diversity program with with uh, SANS, 
uh, you're able to get in and not have to pay for those. They, they paid for it for you. Um, and, and I'm familiar with that program because we actually had a guest on probably five or 10 episodes ago, uh, as well as the director who runs that program for SANS, uh, talking about that diversity uh, and inclusion equity program. It's a really cool three-month program where they, they really you know, fire hose you with information and build you up to speed very quickly. Um, but that does bring up the point that you know, sometimes when people look at your resume alone, they're only looking at it for you know, six to 60 seconds. And you know, for me as a hiring manager, when I see GAC or SANS on there, I start thinking, um, you know, this person already had a career somewhere. Uh, and, and so if I'm hiring for an entry-level position, you're kind of overqualified for the entry level. Um, but then I look at your resume, I see that there's no experience. And I'm like, well, that, those two things don't go together. So that, that can be one of those challenges is, how do you get the experience uh, to match up with those certifications when you're you know, brand new coming straight out of, of college? Sometimes in college, you have the opportunity to do a lot of that because you already have you know, CTFs or capture the flags, or you've done a lot of hands-on lab work because you have a cybersecurity degree. In your case, you didn't, right? Because you came from a political science background. There was no cyber labs to play with, right? Um, so how do you bridge that gap um, and, and finally kind of get over that hump? What other things were you doing um, besides the SANS program to help build up that experience so that when you did get those five interviews, you could talk intelligently about the things they were asking you. Um, you say, hey, have you ever used MAP? You're like, oh yeah, I've done that because of X, Y, and Z. What are some mm -hmm. of those things you did to get that hands-on experience? So I, I love CTFs. I do. I try to do at least once, one a month. Um, sometimes I end up doing more, uh, but I think they're probably the best way to learn because it's a gamified experience. Yes. You know, um, and in, in my mind, it's easier to learn after doing something, like how an attack works. And like, than it is to uh, go back and try to like just explain it just from a different explanation. So it really helps me like get that, you know, foundational skill like, hey, you can talk about Nmap all day. But if I run a couple of Nmap scans and I understand like how the program works, it becomes really easy for me to like apply that to like an interview question. It's like, hey, what if you don't have Nmap? Oh, well, there are plenty of other uh, scanners that you can use like uh, Mascam. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so when you're finding these CTFs, where are you finding them? Because I, I know I love doing CTFs as well. And you're right, it is an excellent experience, especially if you're doing some of the ones where they are team-based CTFs. Because if you're getting stuck, you can then go, oh, hey, I'm having problems. Hey, Ayub, can you help me with that too, right? Or Ayub, can you help me with that? Or Kip, can you help me with that? And, and you guys can work together on things. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Where are you finding these different CTFs? And are they more individualized, You know, one person online, or are you doing it as a team? Um, I've, I've done a mix. I, I Sometimes I think it's important to work with the team because you could just see, like, learn that cooperation. But it's also important to work by yourself because sometimes you end up with a really great teammate who flies through all the challenges and then, you yep. know, you're just stuck with the really difficult ones and you don't get as much learning. Um, so I, I, there's a mix on my part. Like, a, it's more 50-50, like team versus individual. Um, there's a website called CTF Time. They have a ton. Um, but oftentimes, just being around people and just hearing about, like, hey, what's coming up? Um, that that's usually what motivates me. Um, anything ran by John Hammond is excellent, so I would I would recommend taking doing any CTF that he's associated with. Awesome, yeah. I actually just pulled up uh, CTF Time. It's ctftime.org, uh, and if you go there, you can find all of the upcoming CTFs uh, for the year. Um, and so, for instance, I'm looking right now, and there's literally uh, between now and the end of December, which is basically three weeks as the time of this recording. Uh, there's about 15 or 20 that are up, uh, ready to go. And there's some that are attack and defense. Some of them are uh, Jeopardy style, where it's you know, basically you go and pick. Uh, with Jeopardy style, basically there's a, a board and there's different categories and they may have difficulties from one to five. And so if you pick five, you get 500 points. If you pick one, you get 100 points. 
And it's all about who gets the most points in, in that given time. And most of these CTFs run for one to two days at a time. Um, and you can do them over the weekend uh, or whatever they happen to be. Uh, some of them are free. Some of them have some, some money uh, associated with them, depending on what you're doing. And it's for those, usually there's like an entry fee and then they you know divvy out the prize to whoever wins. But a lot of them are just free and easy to do. Uh, a lot of them are online and a lot of them are local as well. So uh, it's a great thing to look at, ctftime.org. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes as well so people can uh, take a look at that and get an idea uh, of that. Um, and then, you know, the other thing uh, you had mentioned uh, previously to me was that, you know, as you were applying for all these jobs, you know, as you said, 134 jobs, uh, one of the things I'm curious about is when you were applying for those jobs, were you using the same resume? Were you modifying it for each job? What was your technique and tactic there? So usually, since I've taken so many courses and uh, done so many different CTFs, like it would, I would like remove certain things that are more relevant to the job posting. So for example, if it was more of a blue team role, I would include some like malware versus engineering courses I've taken. But if it was more of a red team role, I would include like some web app to courses yep. I've taken. So um, it was the same template, but there were just a few points changed. Um, I think, yeah, one of my biggest problems were probably my resume. Uh, looking back in hindsight, I think I should have gotten more revisions. Like, um, I had one person say it was great, which was great. Um, but if you're, you know, applying 10 places and you haven't heard anything back and you qualify for those roles, I think you need to go back and get someone else's opinion, have them weigh in on it and then make changes until you start getting some feedback back. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, because when you're looking at your resume, um, if you're using the same one each time, it's not going to land with that particular hiring manager. They want to feel like you're the only person in the world for them, right? They, they want to feel like you wrote this specifically for them. Now, does that mean you have to write 134 different resumes? Well, no. Uh, what I usually recommend is you kind of create one master resume. And then based on that, you, like you said, you delete things that don't, that don't matter, right? So my master resume might be five or 10 pages, but the resume I'm going to submit is only going to be one, maybe two pages. And so I do want to make sure I'm highlighting things that are relevant to that particular position. So if I look at the job description, it says, you know, um, must be familiar with uh, Fortinet firewalls and must understand Juniper routing and blah, blah, blah. I'd want to make sure I have those keywords based on my experience highlighted and showing. Uh, whereas if they're talking more about, you know, this is a reconnaissance-based penetration testing role, must know open source intelligence, I would want to talk more about things like Meltigo and... Um, and Shodan, and, and maybe even Nmap. If I'm going to do a little bit of active reconnaissance, and all my reconnaissance stuff as opposed to my attack stuff, and, and but having that long list of everything makes it very quick to be able to do 134 resumes just by deleting out the things that aren't relevant and then applying. So I think that's a good strategy. Um, and then another thing you know you you mentioned is you know if you don't have a lot of experience, how do you kind of make a name for yourself to be a thought leader? Uh, you know, so people start hearing your name and they, they know who you are, right? Uh, what are some good examples of, of things that you've done in the past to do that? So the best example of this I did was uh, at the end of last year, um, I posted like a year in review. Um, and I just included, it was kind of a graphic that, uh, of all the things I did. So I included certifications, I included CTFs. And I think that post had like over 100,000 impressions on Twitter. So <laughs> I essentially got 100,000 people want to look at my resume by making it into a little graphic. So I would encourage people to do that. Um, something else I saw other people do, they were like 100 days of InfoSec and they included like, hey, here's what I'm working on every single day. And I feel like yeah. that makes a great story for you. Uh, and you know, you'll have people in the community rooting out for you. So um, I would encourage that. Yeah, I, I'm looking through you know, your, twi uh, your Twitter and uh, anybody wants to follow his Twitter, it's at 
white cyber duck, all one word, white cyber duck. And we'll put that in the notes as well. Um, but you've got, you know, several hundred tweets in there where you're basically adding value to the InfoSec community. And so people are starting to know you and what you're doing and following you and all that kind of stuff, right? So that helps. I think another thing you could do is blogs, uh, YouTube channels, um, you know, being at events and industry events. I know, for instance, you met my partner, Kip, uh, over at uh, Deadwood in South Dakota at the uh, InfoSec conference up there. Um, and, you know, as you guys were there, learning more from other people, you're also meeting other people in the industry and they start to know you and, and you know, get to know you and like you and trust you and all that stuff, which that will uh, give you benefits. We call that in-person networking, but you could do the same thing online with virtual events and CTFs and working on different teams and things like that. But I, I think, you know, as you are starting to build up your own uh, personality and name, you want to be recognized as this thought leader. So, you know, having a blog, having a YouTube channel, uh, using a Twitter feed, uh, using LinkedIn posts, whatever it is, pick a channel and kind of build yourself up on that. Because even if you don't have the experience, if you're talking about this stuff and you're doing it in a lab environment, you're doing CTFs, all of that transfers over and it tells an employer that you care about this industry and you want to be a part of it, right? And not just for a job or a salary or a paycheck, but you actually care about advancing the community as well. So I think that's um, really, really useful and, and, and good things to think about as you're, especially as a new person coming out of college. If, if, if I was talking to you know, a you know, uh, sophomore, junior, or senior in college, I would say right now, start a blog, start a YouTube channel. Uh, start using LinkedIn, start using Twitter, whatever it is, pick one of those and go with it. Because by the time you get out after, you know, two, three years of college and you have this wealth of buildup, employers do look at you online. And, you know, when I get an, a, a job application from you, I would go and type your name into Google and see what pops up. And in your case, there'll be a lot of stuff that pops up because you have this, you know, footprint that you've been building over the last, you know, 6, 12, 18 months. Um, so I think those things are, are really useful as well. Uh, and yeah. the, the, oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go all the way to South Dakota to network. Um, yeah. I highly recommend finding a local B-Sides or a DEFCON chapter. Um, it's, it, I understand, like, I, I was in that position, like, I didn't have any money when I was trying to break into this field. So, you know, I wish I would have went to my B-Sides. I wish I would have went to my B-Sides Augusta. I went this year, they were awesome. But just, just trying to find local people is super helpful because, you know, they could be people you hang out with on a regular basis, you know. Yeah, and that brings up a good point, depending on where you're located, right? So uh, you're located down in the Atlanta, Georgia area, uh, and I know that there is B-sides, there's two or three of them that happen in, Orla in uh, Atlanta and the surrounding areas like Augusta, like you had mentioned. Uh, I used to live in Baltimore, uh, Baltimore, D.C. area, and we had B-sides Baltimore. There's also B-sides New York, which is about a two-hour drive, so you, you could drive up for the day, go to the conference and come back, and it's not super expensive to drive up and drive back. I think Augusta from Atlanta is probably, what, a couple hour drive, so it's not not a horrible investment. Um, going to South Dakota is a little bit harder, right? Um, they also do some out awesome. coast as well. So they have uh, San Diego. I know they've done one of those last year. Um, yeah, I plan on going out to B-Sides, uh, not B-Sides, um, Deadwood next time, next year. I missed it this year because I was already on travel when I found out the dates, but I do plan on going. Um, and I've done uh, Black Hat, for instance, and Black Hat is kind of stupid expensive, right? So if you're a brand new person trying to go into Black Hat for... $3,500 for a couple of days in Vegas, um, that can be a challenge, right? But if you are in you know, one of the major metro areas in the US, either East Coast or West Coast, there are B-sides all over the place that you should be able to get to. And um, another great place you can look is Meetup. Uh, Meetup is an app and website that has a lot of different meetings. I know in Annapolis, there was weekly cybersecurity meetings when I lived in that area, and I could go and meet other people and, and network. And that in-person networking, really, you'd be surprised at how much it can lead to your first job, your second job, or even your third, fourth, and fifth job. Um, I, I get a lot of job offers because of the people I've met over the years, and they go, oh, I have a new position. Jason, you'd be perfect for that. Let me give you a call. 
Uh, I'm not looking for new jobs, so please don't reach out to me. But there are lots of people who are looking for jobs and, and, and you know, being in those places will help put you in the right place. Um, and then, you know, the other thing I want to talk to you about was, you know, as you started building up your skills, you had mentioned, you know, low cost training that you could afford, right? Uh, what are some good examples of that? So the best example is uh, the training from anti-siphon. So John Tran teaches three courses, Intro to SOC, uh, Active Defense and Cyber Deception, and uh, SOC Core Skills, or uh, Intro to Security. So I would highly recommend checking those out because they're pay what you can up to $0. Um, because, and whether you want to become a SOC analyst or not, uh, what you learn is like the fundamental skills you'll be using throughout your career. Uh, so you learn, you know, networking, you learn Linux, you learn Windows. And, you know, uh, from that foundation, you can start looking into paid training. So I feel like um, some people, unfortunately, you know, they start this industry and they start out, they're like, oh, I need to go to these boot camps. And they spent $10,000 uh, on a boot camp where they could have learned a lot of that material on YouTube for free or cheap. Yep. So I would encourage you to start with the free stuff um, and then move to the paid stuff. Yeah. And, and I would echo that comment. Um, definitely, you know, free is great. Um, you know, paid is okay. And then there's different levels of pay, right? So uh, for instance, you mentioned John Strand stuff. He was actually a guest back on episode 61. So if anybody wants to go back and listen to that, it's uh, yourcyberpath.com slash 61. Uh, and that will take you to our episode on skills-based certification and training with John Strand. Uh, he actually came from the SANS world where they were charging five to $8,000 per course. And he's like, it's great training, but not everybody can afford it. What can we do to change that? And that's where he came up with the anti-siphon model, uh, which is uh, where they do this pay-where-you-can model that you went through. And it's an awesome, awesome model. And some people pay, you know, $0. Some people pay $50. Some people pay $500. It's, it's really just, you know, what can you afford to do it? And because they're doing it at scale, where they might have 1,000, 5,000 people in a course, or even, you know, a couple hundred people in a course, if everybody paid $5, that easily covers the instructor's salary that, that they can have that training. Um, some other free things that are out there, as you mentioned, YouTube is a great one. Um, the only challenge with YouTube that you have is finding quality content. Uh, there are lots of channels out there that do awesome, great jobs, um, but there's also a lot of junk on YouTube, right? And and a lot of it's just filled with trying to sell, upsell you to something else uh, and things like that. So just keep that in mind as well. Um, and then the other problem with, that I have with YouTube is that it's not a curated or linear progression. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, let's say you want to go get your Security Plus. Um, yeah, you could find all the information you need to pass Security Plus on YouTube 100% for free. But it's going to be really hard to find a single playlist or a single you know, course, for lack of a better term, that covers everything from A to Z throughout the certification. So I find YouTube is great, too. If you're looking for something specific like, how do I do Nmap scans? Or how do I uh, do a SQL inject against a Apache server? No, Apache server. What am I, what am I talking about? <laughs> it's a MySQL server, right? Or a Microsoft SQL server or something like that. You can find that kind of stuff on YouTube very well. Um, where I find a lot of, you know, we mentioned, you know, cheap options. Uh, YouTube uh, is good, but when you go to a paid version, you may look at something like LinkedIn Learning. They have great courses. Pluralsight has good courses. Udemy's got great courses. Obviously, uh, people who listen to this podcast know I love Udemy. I teach on Udemy. I teach all the cybersecurity stuff from A+, plus all the way up through CAS+, plus on Udemy. Um, and those courses are you know, $10, $15, $20 usually. Um, and that's going to give you really good videos, really good practice, really good study guides that you know is going to get you to passing your certification. Um, so from a certification perspective, I really like Udemy, LinkedIn, Pluralsight, things like that. Um, but you know, when it comes to you know hands-on SOC skills, I think nothing really compares to what I've seen from Anti-Siphon and John Strand's folks, uh, especially at that low, cheap model. 
um, you know, low price, cheap model or pay what you can model. Um, and then there's also a lot of other stuff you can do out there, like these CTFs that are really a really great way to learn because as you're getting this challenge and it says, hey, here's a disk image. I want you to use uh, foremost and carve out the file that's from this old deleted file off this disk image. If you don't know how to do that, you can go on YouTube real quick and say, how do I carve a disk file? And it will show you and then you can do that and then find out if you got it right because you got the secret key that you were looking for in that CTF. Um, so I really like doing things like that. I think it's a, it's a great way to do it. And then one other place I think is really good is Discord. Um, do you use Discord a lot? Yes, I love Discord. <laughs> um, so what is your favorite place to hang out on Discord? Is there is there a, you know, a certain group or, or server that you like? I bounce around, but uh, a few ones that stand out as like really excellent is the Black Hills one. Um, I think they call it, uh, they changed the name of it. I forget the name uh, right now, but uh, the one, the BHIS one. Um, they, yeah, so there's so many. Um, I think if you if you take a course from anybody, um, you'll they'll probably have a Discord channel that you can hop into. Yep. Yeah. So our company, Dion Training, we do have a Discord server as well. So if you want to jump in there and play in there, it is uh, DionTraining.com/slash/discord, and that'll redirect you over to our Discord server. Uh, we've currently got about twenty six hundred members in there. Um, we also have a big group on on Facebook, which has about thirty five thousand members. So we we just started our Discord probably about six months ago. Um, and at any given time, we've got you know several hundred people online. So if you're studying for a certification and you're like, hey, I'm working on my Security Plus and I don't understand this SQL inject thing, uh, you can go in there and ask questions. Somebody will probably do a video and, and send it back to you or answer your questions and that kind of stuff. So lots of great stuff and lots of great uh, places that you can go and get this information without having to spend a ton of money. Because again, Discord is completely free uh, and it's a great place to meet other people and chat with them, either you know voice or chat, uh, text chat and get some additional information. Um, so yeah, so in summary, you know, I, I, I think that you know, when we look at your story, right, it, don't get discouraged. Um, don't, don't be worried if you don't hear back from employers because you know, 134 applications and 60% of them, he heard nothing. Nothing came back from the employer, right? Um, but the other 40%, uh, he was able to hear back either, no, we're not interested, or he did get five uh, interviews out of those 134 jobs. And then from those five interviews, he picked the one that he liked the best and, and got the job uh, with that company. Uh, and that's where he's working now. And then the other thing is, you know, as you're working through, you know, you're kind of getting up to that point where you're almost at the year point. Uh, what you'll see is, you know, one to two years kind of is the sweet spot where once you get a year to two years of experience in cyber, you combine that with a couple of key certifications and you're just going to be so in demand uh, that you're going to be getting lots and lots of calls. <laughs> um, and next time you apply, it won't take you 134 uh, to get five interviews. It'll be more like, hey, here's 50 to get 10 interviews, right? And, and the more experience you have, the more valuable you are to an employer because you know more and you're, and you're better off, right? But that first job is just, it, it, it's hard, right? And so for those of you who are trying to break into cybersecurity, just remember, you know, even if you had to put in 100 applications to get five interviews or 150 applications to get five interviews, that's not bad uh, if you are a brand new person and you have no experience and you're trying to break in. But once you get that first job and you have 12, 18, 24 months under your belt, the, the job market just wide opens to you because that's that sweet spot of where everybody's trying to fight over is those people with one to two years of experience up to about five years of experience. Um, and so you're, you're definitely on the right track and in the right industry. Um, and then oh, the other thing I thought that was really important that you said was you know, get that hands-on skill, whether that's CTFs or anti-siphon training or something like that. Practice what you're doing. Don't just read a textbook. Open up a open up a VM. Open up a cloud uh, cloud server and start hacking those things and and making sure you understand what you're doing. 
Um, and then the, the final thing I think is just always be continuing to learn because our industry is constantly changing. Uh, and so you have to keep up with this stuff and keep being engaged. And you can do that in places like Discord, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. You'll find great people out there putting out great content that you can follow along with. Uh, things like Darknet Diaries, um, things like um, uh, Krebs on Security is another great blog. Lots of things out there that you can get information. And of course, this show every two weeks, we, we put out information and try to help you uh, in the cybersecurity industry and how to break in in this hiring, firing, um, you know, resumes, interviews, negotiations, all that kind of stuff. So that being said, I'm going to pass it back over to you uh, for any final thoughts or comments. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so if anyone wants to connect with me or ask me any questions, I'm available on Twitter and LinkedIn and uh, Discord and Mastodon. So just feel free to look me up and shoot me a message. I'd love to help in any way I can. Awesome. Thank you again for joining us today and sharing your story. Um, I, I know it's, uh, it's one of those ones that we get a lot of questions about is like, how do you get that first job? And really, it comes down to persistence, right? Uh, and then tailoring those resumes for the job to make sure you're hitting those right keywords. So you're not getting blocked by ATS uh, and then just going through and, 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 and killing it and persevering until you get that first job. Uh, and once you go for that second job, it's going to be so much easier. Um, so that said, I want to thank you for being a guest today. And again, he's uh, at White Cyber Duck on Twitter. Um, so you can find him there. And we'll put links uh, in the show notes to CTF Time, um, his Twitter account, the episode with John Strand that we mentioned, as well as our Discord server and any other great links that we've mentioned uh, during this episode. Uh, until next time, I will see you on the next episode of Your Cyber Path. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Your Cyber Path. Don't miss an episode. Press the subscribe button now. If you would like to learn more about how to get your dream cybersecurity job, then be sure to visit yourcyberpath.com, where you can access the show notes, search the archive of our top tips and tricks, and discover some fantastic bonus content. <laughs>